We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Today, we're going to talk about five biggest takeaways that we had from Sunday's game. I already did a recap video. That's up on our channel. If you haven't checked that out, please check that out. And so you can see the immediate thoughts that I had from that game. But also, we're going to kind of break it down a little more. We've had a day to sit on it, kind of talk a little bit about it. But first, want to have a word about our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so now we're going to talk about some of the takeaways that we're taking away from this. I think the first thing, Cody and I agreed, we had to talk about the quarterback first because that was the biggest question mark going into that game Sunday, how would Carson Wentz perform with his new team and all things considered? And I mean, Cody, I'll give you the floor to start out, but me personally, I thought all things considered, given what I saw, and especially since I was there and seeing it just in person, I thought Carson Wentz, given the circumstances, played well. Didn't play great, didn't play bad, but he played well. Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm giving a grade, I'm giving probably a B, B plus for Carson Wentz. You're right. I think he played well. He didn't play great. You mentioned it. I mean, I think he missed a few throws there. 
Um, I think he, you know, obviously the fumble, you, you know, that's miscommunication. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a bad one. Wentz, Wentz took ownership of that. Um, and that was really his biggest mistake. And that was the only time he turned the football over per se. But, you know, overall, you're right. I thought Carson Wentz looked really good considering a couple factors. First off, the fact that he only had a couple days of practice leading up to this game because he was a close contact, because he missed a week of practice, a very valuable week of practice, I would add. I think all things considered, Carson Wentz played a lot better than I certainly expected. And I think the Colts certainly expected. I mean, and considering what was around him or, or lack of what was around him yesterday, and we'll get into that a little bit later. I mean, the guy got hit 14 times and was sacked four times, and he still threw for over 250 yards and two touchdowns. So for me, in my opinion, I thought he looked pretty good. For He was rusty, and we kind of expected that. Yeah. I thought he was a lot less rusty than I anticipated. So a lot of people like to, for some funny reason, Derek, and a lot of it's Eagles fans who are very salty. And I'm going to call you out, Eagles fans, because it is you. Um but they're very salty that Carson Wentz didn't have a bad day, right? And they won, so they got the trash talk a little bit. Yeah, because really, Jalen Hurts had himself a good game, and because Carson actually played 100% of the snaps, you know, they'll default to that argument, even though, yeah, they're salty that Carson actually did well. Yeah, so it's just kind of hilarious how people were trying to say Carson Wentz is bad, this is Carson Wentz's fault. I could tell you three things – that I would blame, that we'll talk about here on offense alone, that I would blame before I blame Carson Wentz. So yeah, I'm just going to say that right now. Carson Wentz, he was better than I expected, especially all the circumstances. A new team, not even having T.Y. Hilton, not having a left tackle, offensive line looking horrendous. I mean, Carson Wentz, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about this because people are going to, I can just see the angry comments right now. So talking about <laughs> Carson Wentz. But you know what? Like, he looked good. I thought yeah. he looked pretty good. He wasn't perfect, like you said, but he looked good. I mean, he did some things that you we, we, we would even say last year Phil Rivers couldn't do, right? He, he yeah. was on the move a couple times. He used his legs to get, I believe it was eight yards or something like that, you know, move the chains there. And and he was able to do things in the pocket that, you know, Phil Rivers just frankly couldn't do. So you see why the Colts were excited to get Carson Wentz in the building. Now, I do feel like he's going to get better just because he's going to get more chemistry with these guys. But as it stands right now, I mean, I couldn't have thought of – and it's weird, Derek, because, like, all the concerns – out of all the concerns on offense, Carson Wentz is probably one of the bigger ones um, that I had going into this game, but he was the least of the Colts' problems yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I would say he was one of the least concerning players on the field. You know, again, there's there was uh, some stuff that he had to work through – and, you know, he is going to get better as the rest of this team is looking to try and get better. I mean, obviously the whole team didn't necessarily play well. And, you know, that kind of had an effect on Carson Wentz in the second half. And one of the biggest reasons why that second half was so bad. And we'll kind of talk about that next point. And that was strictly, you know, the offensive line. Um, I mean, it's kind of weird because... Because Quentin Nelson, ironically enough, I don't I don't believe this stat. I saw one st- I saw one snap where Quentin Nelson got absolutely beat off the line and ended up giving up a pressure. So I don't I don't remember who was doing the tweet that said that they had uh, he had allowed zero pressures. I mean I'd have to look back through the film. I but I 
thought from my own eyes. I was watching Nelson specifically on that play, gave up a pressure. But outside of that, Nelson was clear as day, the best offensive lineman out there, uh, as we would expect. But everybody else, now Kelly, per se, I didn't think was terrible, but he didn't play great either. But Glowinski gave up three pressures on Wentz on Sunday. Braden Smith gave up five. Braden Smith looked absolutely atrocious in that game. For a guy that just got paid $72 million, he did not play well at all. Also on top of it, he's now got a foot injury apparently. We're going to see how bad that is. They don't know right now. Uh, They're checking it periodically throughout the week to see if it's going to be a week-by-week thing or if it's going to be a day-by-day thing. We don't know. And then, of course, Davenport gave up two sacks by himself yesterday and gave up eight pressures and also couldn't get any pressure up front in the run game either. So, you know, we're about to talk about the wide receivers and the running backs and their fault in this, but we, we also made a great point. It was the offensive line. The run game could get very little of anything going mainly because the offensive line got no push up front. And then when Wentz was trying to sit into the pocket and make the throws that he was trying to make, he was getting sacked in less than three seconds. So, you know, it it was really bad by the whole offensive line for, for the most part. I mean, that was probably one of the worst performances I have seen since the Colts have drafted Nelson and Smith into this lineup that might have been one of the wor- that might have been the worst offensive line performance that I have seen to date in three years that covering this team from what we've done. I mean, I, I assume you probably feel the same way about it, Cody. Yeah, they straight up got murdered. I mean, they straight yeah. up got punched in the mouth. Yep. These dudes were giving me remnant, you know, giving me PTSD from 2017. That's how bad they were yesterday. And I'm not going to hold back because. You're paying this offensive line a huge amount of money for them to come out and perform the way that they did. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit angry here, a little bit animated here. But seriously, guys, like they paid you that much money to go out and perform perform like that. Like, and everybody likes to use the crutch that, oh, it was Davenport, you know, it wasn't Eric Fisher. Wait till Eric Fisher gets back. You know what? Davenport was bad. We expected that. Brayden Smith was terrible too. Yes, he was almost as bad as Davenport. Horrible. It was terrible. Nobody played well. Quentin Nelson was the best one, and I thought he didn't even have a great game from his yeah, standards. Yeah, from his standards, no. You know, so this offensive line, they straight up got embarrassed. They were in embarrassment yesterday. I mean, you got to wonder if Carson Wentz has a clean pocket, is that game completely different? You know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, is that game completely different if you're able to establish a run, not become one-dimensional? You know, the Colts were really bad at running the ball yesterday. They averaged about three, a little over three yards a carry. I think it was like 3.3. It was 3.3. Yeah, 3.3. That's horrible. That That is not good, uh, to say the least. And, yeah, I mean, that was straight up an embarrassing game for this offensive line. Hopefully they got humbled a little bit because everybody likes to talk them up, including us. You know, this yes. offensive line, on paper, like this could be a top three offensive line, you know, and they straight up, Looked like a bottom three offensive line. I'm not even joking. It was that, that disgusting yesterday. So it was an embarrassing display. Fortunately, I don't feel like it's going to stay that way because the Colts have a lot of leaders on that offensive line that won't let that happen. Ryan Kelly straight up, he just said, that's not, 
the expectation we have. You know, that's not the standard we live up to. So the Colts know how bad it was yesterday. That's the good news. You talked about Braden Smith's injury. That's concerning because now, even if Fisher does come back, who is your right tackle? I mean, Matt you Pryor. were only one tackle. Who's going to be your other tackle? Matt Pryor was horrendous last year. Yeah. So yeah. it's not really giving me much comfort if Matt Pryor is your right tackle next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, overall, I mean, we we said it many times, and I'm sure every other Colts fan has, you know, said the exact same thing. Offensive line was just atrocious. I mean, yeah. there's no way, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, they were terrible. They did not give Wentz time to th- adequate time to throw the football and did not give these running backs uh, the time to be able to run as well. Now, let's kind of go to the position groups here for the offense. We all sat here. We just sat here for five minutes and just said the offensive line was a major concern as to why the running game couldn't get going and why plays weren't able to develop for the pass game. We get that. But we also do understand that the running backs and the receivers also did not live up to expectation. Um, well, starting with the running backs, I mean, Reich did state that while the offensive line was atrocious yesterday, uh, the running backs also did miss some opportunities to get more yards on some runs. You know, they were able, there were, there were some run lanes that, you know, people did not get into, uh, particularly Hines and Taylor, uh, whether that's, you know, just first game jitters, uh, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of things, that might be what it is. You know, I mean, I'm not going to harp too much on him because, I mean, for God's sake, Derrick Henry yesterday had 70 yards rushing against the Cardinals. I mean, they, 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 they were they were just as bad yesterday at r- running the football as we were as a unit. I mean, Derrick Henry could not do anything against the Cardinals defense of anything so you know I mean it seemed like the best rushing backs in all of the AFC South just seemed to not have the ability to run yesterday uh but again some missed opportunities from there and then you talk about the wide receivers couple good catches here and there but you know I think it's becoming a very problematic uh issue here Cody and I don't think we've addressed it enough um, and this is something that a lot of people, you know, don't give T.Y. Hilton enough credit for is that T.Y. Hilton, even though his age is up there, he knows how to get separation on corners. You know, he's been in the league a long time. He knows how to get uh, separation on these guys, even if it's a yard. I mean, Strawn's catches yesterday, no separation. Uh, Paris Campbell, one reception. Was that all on him? No, it wasn't. I felt the Colts kind of got away from him. But then again, don't think he really necessarily got much separation from his guys either. Michael Pittman, no separation from his guys. You know, Zach Pascal was the only one yesterday getting any kind of separation from his guys. And it showed you what he could do if he got some separation and he had two touchdowns. The only two touchdowns of the day for Indianapolis from Carson. So, you know, you're, you're getting into a point here where, you know, Wentz maybe didn't get rid of the ball soon enough. That's one concern. The offensive line not covering also was a concern, but then on top of it, you know, Wentz is going through his progressions, all of them, but yet nobody was getting open. 
and against the Seahawks secondary, which is not one of the best secondaries in the league, you would have thought guys would have been able to create some separation a lot more, but they weren't. So basic general ending to this topic is that the position groups, whilst they were also being held down by the offensive line, also did not do their job in creating opportunities when they could have. No, and also Marlon Mack didn't see the field, which was super puzzling, especially because yeah. we were really struggling, you know, to run the football. I figured they would change it up. Marlon Mack didn't see a snap. I have concern with that. I have issue with that. Like, change it up, you know, do something, try to figure it out. That's why you have him. Why would you do that? And why would you re-sign him and not use him? Now, maybe they're just easing him back with that injury. I don't know exactly, but it was baffling that Marlon Mack didn't see the field once. Jordan Wilkins didn't get a carry either. Like, so for whatever reason, the Colts elected to not use any of their other running backs. Only two guys touched the touched the ball yesterday in terms of running backs, which was kind of crazy to me. But, yeah, the wide receivers, not really overly impressed with any of them right now, if I'm being completely honest. I do wonder, going back to the offensive line, and again, you're right, they weren't getting separation. But I do kind of wonder, would the Colts have – you know, push the ball down the field a little bit more if Wentz would have had a little bit more time. I, I, I could count on my hand the amount of times they threw the ball down the field past 20 yards. It wasn't many. It wasn't you many. Have to wonder, was Wentz just under pressure trying to get the ball away? Because the Colts used a ton of screens to the running backs, right? Taylor and Hines combined had more catches yesterday than all the Colts wide receivers. Yes. So that tells you how much the Colts I, – I wonder how much the game plan changed because the offensive line was getting manhandled up front. I really do wonder if, you know, mid-game Reich's like, well, we can't block anybody. We can't have Carson get killed back there. We have to change it up, soften up this defense, and hope the offensive line gets better throughout the game. And they ended up not. So, like, what are you going to do, you know? But, yeah, you mentioned Zach Pascal. I want to give him props. He's always just so consistent. And great to see him connect with Carson twice. And uh, I'm really excited to see that chemistry and how that continues to build. You're right. I do feel like Paris Campbell was – criminally underused yesterday I, I was really kind of baffled the Colts didn't use him more he had that one nice catch down the field but other than that not a whole lot so yeah this this wide receiver group they got to step it up I think in that second half it was a total team failure from you know the quarterback all the way through you know the offensive line wide receiver running back everybody didn't play well in that second half yeah and then there's another aspect in the second half that just baffled all of us and you mentioned it several times yesterday the play calling yes i, I i'm going to le- i'm going to let you go into this topic with this i'm going to just kind of talk about it really quick did that game plan yesterday look very very similar to week 1 of the jacksonville game last year where it was screen, 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 abandon the run game in the second half, not a just screens after screens, not being able to protect the quarterback. Like it felt like it was deja vu all over again. I look back at it and I'm like, that second half looked very, very similar. It got stale. I'm gonna let you go ahead and go on your tangent and then I'll fill in whatever holes you don't you don't bring up. Yeah, straight up. I don't know what Frank Reich tries to do week one, but it doesn't work. It hasn't worked the past couple of years in that second half. It's almost like, and this is something weird that I just do not understand about Frank Reich sometimes. It's like they go away from the things that work well. I don't understand that. I am genuinely baffled by that when they do that. I mean, I have I have massive respect for Frank Reich, but as a play caller, he's very flawed. 
I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. He's very flawed a lot of times in the way that he goes about and he changes things up and they just don't work. And, and, and sometimes I feel like he goes away from the hot hand and I, I frankly do not understand no pun intended. I do not understand it, man. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't get the players that, you know, that first drive was beautiful in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. beautiful. You went away from that. You went away from your identity. When you go away from your identity, you're going to lose. And for some reason, we go away from our identity in week one far too often, far too often. And one thing that I really was puzzled at was the lack of urgency. It felt like it was a preseason game in that second half, man. It, it did. And I was like, are we not trying to win? I honestly didn't get that vibe for Frank Reich. I felt like we weren't trying to win in that second half. Like, I get it. You know, struggles happen. But when you can't dig yourself out of that rut until it's the game is out of reach, like, something's got to change. The offense was so vanilla yesterday. It was ridiculous, man. It was so bland. I just – I do not understand the logic behind what Frank Reich was trying to do. And, you know, you could point to, oh, he had a new quarterback. It's his fourth year having a new quarterback. Like, I get that to an extent. But also, you were moving the ball. Like, you were moving the ball in the first half. And all of a sudden, you just couldn't do anything in that second half. So, yeah, I was just genuinely puzzled why we decided to go away from the things that were working, why the execution just went from pretty good to just nothing, absolutely nothing. I mean, I wondered last year, okay, was it just because of the limitations of Phillip Rivers? But, no, I think it's more in the play calling to Frank Reich, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, yeah, I mean, yesterday – it was blatantly obvious that the execution everywhere was not working. So again, whatever Frank Reich may have intended to try and call, you know, that's kind of just basically shrouded by the execution of this team because it wasn't good at all. But, you know, but again, like I heard the, we ratted on Paris Campbell for not being able, I ratted on Paris Campbell for not being able to gain separation from wide receivers. Only one target in the game. To have a weapon that can run a 4-3 and you don't use him more than one time in a game, that is that is asinine. That is asinine. It should not happen. Paris Campbell should be touching the ball five times a game. I don't care how you get him the football. You got to get it in his hands. And guess what? If it's not working out inside the tackles, you run sweeps. You run sweeps. You run drags. You run other stuff. I didn't see a drag route. I, I might be wrong. I could see the, I could probably watch the film and see if there was drags, but I didn't see many drag routes. I didn't see many guys crossing and, you know, having Pittman and, uh, and, Campbell crossing, you know, doing stuff that creates separation for them. You know, I saw Pittman have a couple of in routes that worked a couple times. Uh, Zach Pascal did it and it worked, you know, like the middle of the field was really open in the first half. Like the first half, that was how we were getting down the field because we were getting receivers in the middle of the field and getting them the, the ball and letting them do what they had to do. It, you're right. It just seemed like we went away from what was working, and I just don't understand it. I mean, the the Seattle Seahawks have a new offensive coordinator. Their first half offense looked phenomenal, and even in the second half when we were still shutting them down, there were a lot of concepts that I really liked that got Russell Wilson out of the pocket and let him make plays with his feet. 
and then be able to try and trick the Colt, the Colts defense with his ability to run. I felt like there were a lot of good plays that the Seahawks were able to run, but the Colts did a good job of stopping it. I felt like, I just felt like we could have done that, but it, again, it just it felt like the same offense, and it felt like the same five plays over and over and over, and it just didn't. It lacked creativity. What were your thoughts on the fourth down attempts? I didn't ask you that yet. I did not mind them. I did not mind them. I did not mind the attempts of running on fourth down. I did not mind it. I felt that if you were going to run, if you were going to run something on fourth down. I, I I don't want to blame Reich too much for Carson messing up because had he actually gotten the ball, I think Wentz would have had that first down. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, if you're going to run a fourth down play, like, you know, I know you didn't want the, the Seahawks defense to kind of, you know, know what, uh, what was coming. But at the same time, like, give it to Jonathan Taylor. Give it to Taylor. Let him run the freaking football. Like that's what you have him for. Why not? Why? Why try to hurry things up? Wentz has to do something really quickly, and then he fumbles. Like why put him in that situation right now? If you are trying to make sure he gets a feel for it, then why would you put him in that kind of situation? Give it to Taylor. Give it to your best player. You know, I, I just, I, I did not mind the call itself. I. I hated how we executed it. That's yeah. what I had a problem with. Yeah. And you know, the other fourth down one, like I think you should have had Taylor in there as well, or you should have done something else. It was so stinking predictable, man. You ran to Julian Davenport's side. Why did you do that? You know, I just didn't, didn't understand that at all. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny because we literally had the same thing happen last year in Jacksonville. If you remember yes. fourth down call, Naheem Hines runs it, gets stuffed. And I'm like, do we not learn? Is Frank Reich just like not learn sometimes from his dumb play calls? Like, yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't like, that's the funny thing. Like everyone was like, oh, well, well, you know, you have to still do the job either way. There is never, and I repeat, never a time when you tell yourself Naheem Hines is the running back you should do on a fourth and one when you have a healthy Jonathan Taylor in your arsenal. Never. Should that ever be an excuse? Ever. If you're going to attempt a fourth down and you're going to run it, you give the ball to Jonathan Taylor every time. And I'm sorry if that makes some people mad. Sorry if that makes coach mad or and the players mad. I'm sorry. That's just how it is to me. I, I That's just my logic on it. I mean, it should be. He was a third leading rusher last year. Like, to not give him the ball in critical situations just boggles my mind sometimes. This has been Frank. This has been my gripe with Frank Reich, and you guys can go back as far as last year to see me say this. He just continues to baffle me with his play calling sometimes. Now it, we know, and we've said it before, there are times when yes, the team needs to execute; they don't execute, but also put them in better situations to execute, Frank. Like, yeah. please put them in situations where I don't know, like give them a better chance to succeed. It feels like we give we and this is what I feel like happens a lot of times. We make it a lot harder on ourselves than it should. Yes, be, offensively. Yes, like we really do, and it's getting to the point where I'm like, Frank, I love you, but is it time to consider you know Marcus Brady calling the plays? Like I'm not even kidding. Well, and I, and I felt bad yesterday because now obviously we think about it and it makes sense. 
we probably should have kicked those field goals in that second half. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have made much of a difference then, but Blankenship was already two for two. You know, mm-hmm. he was already two for two. He was already doing well. I know it was at the 35 yard line, but you know, it's that situation where if you got to outweigh the, you got to weigh the risks versus the outcome here. We don't go for it and we kick the field goal. Okay. We got three points. We're a touchdown away and the momentum is now on our side, right? We have momentum on our side. If we go for it. Okay. We may get the first down that might lead to a touchdown, but we don't get it. We wasted a whole drive and they have every bit of momentum every day. And I mean, yeah. that kind of goes into the defensive aspect now, which we'll one, talk one about. More the biggest... defense. Oh, yeah, I'm one sorry. more. Yeah. Uh, I just had one more point before we move to the defense. Like, I'm all for instilling confidence in your players. Like, I like that Frank Reich does that. I know the players enjoy that he does that. But you got to be smart with it. Like, you can't be running the ball on fourth down without Jonathan Taylor to Julian Davenport's side. You know, like you just can't do those things, right? Mm-hmm. Hindsight's twenty twenty. If you get that, we don't have this conversation, right? But right, and that's going back to my point. Like, run it to Braden. I know Braden Smith wasn't having the greatest game, but he's one of your best run blockers, and so is Mark Lewinsky. Yeah. Why wouldn't you run it to that side, or why wouldn't you roll out when you know your offensive line's playing bad? Do something, you know, to you know they they struggled to run the ball the whole game. Why yeah. wouldn't you do something? You know, play action, whatever you got to do, and, and do something. I don't know, maybe another screen pass, whatever it takes, man. Yeah. Do the things that were effective on that fourth down. I just that that was my biggest gripe there. Yeah. And the the last thing we'll talk about in this video, and that is the defense. So basically, this defense looked exactly like what we saw at the end of last year, where one half absolutely atrocious. Just couldn't get pressure. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stop the run, couldn't stop the pass. Everything just looked atrocious. And then in the second half, like, we're able to stop the run. They were able to get sacks. They were able to cover downfield for more than three seconds. And Mm -hmm. then you were able to make Russell Wilson have to get rid of the ball when he didn't want to. And therefore, you got plays. And again, The defense in the second half, to me, played exactly how I want our defense to play. Getting constant pressure against a quarterback like Russell Wilson, you're able to slow the rundown, you're able to stop their creativity by getting more pressure. That was the defense I wanted to see. But the problem is, you can't just keep giving up 21 points in the first half like that and make that look so easy. So. Again, we saw some good. We saw Darius Leonard force a fumble. Saw DeForest Buckner and a couple other guys get some good pressure in the second half, which is great. It's exactly what we wanted to see our defense do. Only issue is inconsistency is still an issue with this defense right now. And it's becoming a trend, and that's concerning to me. That it's becoming a trend. Like you know, we we talk all about how this defense was so good last year, and then they were so bad last year at certain points too. And like I thought, okay, maybe it's just they just need some time to settle in. But this has been a reoccurring thing now, and I'm getting a little bit concerned, you know, that that's going to continue to happen. You know, and I don't know what the solution is, but it's like 
it's weird how how it just completely flipped. First half they were horrendous, you know. Twice had twenty plus. Tyler Lockett just destroyed them. I'm just I'll, I'll give. I'll say this in defense of the defense. That first touchdown. I'm not knocking Kari Willis at all. He was in the right position to make a play on that ball. If that ball was thrown where every other quarterback in the NFL would have thrown that football. But the only thing is Russell Wilson's not every other quarterback and Tyler Lockett is not every other receiver. Those two are amazing at doing exactly what they just did, which is like changing direction and still being able to catch it over the shoulder. That's not Corey Willis's fault. It's not the defense's fault. That was just a spectacular play. I will give them that one. But the other two touchdowns we gave up were were not uh, excusable. No, and you couldn't stop the run, which was bizarre. So bizarre that they were able to run the ball the way they were. Like, Chris Carson's a good running back. I'll give you that. But he's not doing he, – he shouldn't have done that to you. You yeah. know, if you boast the second-best run defense – He's getting 50, 60 yards. Let's be completely honest. He's not averaging. What did he finish? I know at one point I he think he had 97 like, overall. Okay. Well, I know that. I know when I checked, he was averaging like something around six or seven yards a carry, which is. Yeah, crazy. he was averaging five. I think he averaged 5.3 uh, at the end of that. Okay. So they got a little bit better in the second half, but still, like, they were gashing you in that first half and you were completely healthy up front. So what's the issue, guys? Like you got to clean that up. Like that—that that was something we did not see the Colts' defense struggle with really at all at full strength last year. So it was definitely bizarre. The Seahawks were really able to run the ball at will against the Colts. I mean, with a fully healthy Buckner to boot, it was just weird that they were able to do that. So yeah, this defense was—it was a. I mean, I'll use the word inexcusable because it was. It was embarrassing. Like like I talked about the offensive line, it was embarrassing in that first half. It really was like, what is going on? Why can we not figure out anything? How can we not stop the run? Russell Wilson can do whatever he wants. We're getting no pressure up front. It was just, it was concerning for sure. But I did like, like you said, the rebound they had in the second half. I mean, they gave the offense. I mean, if, if the offense. They gave the offense minutes, every opportunity to come back yeah. in that. Oh, yeah. If they would have played like they did in the first half, I mean, I think that would have been a lot better football game. Yeah. I mean, the, the defense put them in positions. I mean, they, they literally gave them at one point uh, right on the 50-yard line position yeah. to go and score. So yeah, Darius Leonard did, gave yeah. him great field position and yeah. And then the offense still couldn't convert. So that's why ultimately I kind of blame this more on the offense than anything else. Cause again, the, at least the defense in the second half gave you every opportunity to bring this game back and we just couldn't do it. So, yeah. well, that's going to do it for this one guys for the five biggest takeaways we personally had from the game Sunday. Again, we, we've had a lot of criticism here of the Colts, but again, we're going to still root for this team. We're still going to try and see what other ways we think we can do better for the upcoming weeks. Obviously, Colts have a lot of work ahead of them, and, and they obviously know that. They'll work on it. We'll just hope that this team gets healthy and that they'll be able to find a way to beat the Rams. Uh, that's the next opponent. Got to move on from here. So thank you guys again so much for the support. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And as always, go Colts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.